guys. Welcome to the Student of Money podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Niemeyer. The mission of Student of Money is to connect listeners like you to a community of like-minded individuals to help you achieve your goal of financial freedom through entrepreneurship, investing, real estate, and personal development. This is episode 38. So on this week's interview, we've got Chris Collins, managing member of Amity Cashflow. What I love about Chris is that he works in the television industry in Hollywood, California, but he invests in multifamily apartment buildings in investor-friendly states like Iowa, Texas, Arizona, and Florida. He truly follows the concept of live where you want to, but invest where the numbers make sense. We had a great conversation that lasted about 40 minutes that was packed full of information on how to get started in real estate that you're not going to want to miss. So let's get started. Chris Collins, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Nice, uh, nice of you to take the time. Yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, you know, I've been following you for a little bit and we're in a lot of the same masterminds and we do a lot of the the meetups. So we're kind of hanging out with the same crowd. And I thought, you know, I got to get this guy on uh, on my show because you've got an interesting background that I want you to tell our listeners. So for the listeners that don't know you or don't, uh, please give me a little bit of information about your background and kind of tell you, share your story if you would. Sure. Yeah, I yeah, I don't really come from the traditional finance background. I don't come from banking or the stock market, anything like that. Um, I actually have a kind of a creative background in Hollywood. I spent the last 20 years as a television editor working in the unscripted reality documentary TV world um, in Hollywood doing TV shows you might know like um, Shark Week for Discovery Channel. I did Duck Dynasty. I did America's Next Top Model for years. I worked for Amazon. I worked for Netflix and MTV and all these kind of, it's been a really fun career. That's been more my creative side. I'm also a drummer. I've been out on tour across this country many times. And one of the things is about, this was about nine years ago, we got pregnant with my son. And I realized that my TV career, it's all freelance and I don't know kind of if you're out there listening and you have a job and you realize that if you don't go to work, you don't get paid that day. And that's very much for me. There was no long term. There was no health care, pension, retirement plans. Um, the world of Hollywood's all freelance. So I realized, look, I have to figure out something that gives me some kind of security, some kind of I realized what I needed was other income streams. And I had the stock market, but it just did this. Right. It just goes up and down and it had no guarantee. And I thought, man, I will get into real estate. And so I decided to get into real estate investing and started buying properties that my goal, the whole goal was just to have other streams of income. Yeah. So I, so I teach what I call the income circle where you have multiple streams of income coming in. Um, so, you know, the, they talk about diversifying your retirement portfolio. Well, I want to diversify my income streams. I want to have multiple Absolutely. streams coming in, right? And and like you said, if you, you're trading your time for money, and if you didn't work, you didn't get paid. So uh, you, you get out, go out there and find out, hey, real estate's a great side gig to bring in some money. And according to your bio, you kind of started out with some single family houses. Is that correct? Absolutely. So I thought... 
I think this is how most people, you get into investment real estate. I think everyone thinks of your first thought, if you're going to buy real estate, you're buying your house. And buying your house, for everyone who's read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you realize the difference between an asset and a liability. And to me, the very simple is a liability takes money out of your pocket and the asset puts money into your pocket. And a house is kind of a hybrid because every month you're writing a check out of your pocket and it sits on the bank side as an asset, but you're also building equity. So it's a little bit of both, but investment real estate is all on the asset side. And I thought I have to build something that sends me money. And the simplest first thing I thought was buy houses. Like I'll buy a single family house, I'll rent it out to a resident and they're gonna pay me rent every month. And I thought it doesn't get more simple. <laughs> so I went and I started buying houses in Memphis, Tennessee. I had a, a great relationship with a guy named James there and he walked me through the whole market. I flew out there, I took my wife, I took my son at the time, he was a little baby. I had these great pictures of this little baby walking around on a construction site as we built a couple of houses. And I kind of learned pretty quickly that houses works great. It's a great income stream, but it's only one income stream per house. And I have to have a new down payment for that one house. And if anything goes wrong on that one house, it's like a whole thing. Like I have to have a phone call with the property manager and decide if we want to buy a new stove or if they should just fix the stove. And it seemed like a lot of work for one. And I thought there's got to be something else. And so I started learning about apartments and how apartments, you have hundreds of units all sending checks every month. And if something goes wrong, well, man, the maintenance person just goes out to that unit, replaces the stove or fixes the stove, just like they would unit 12 or 50 or 99. They're all the exact same. So I thought, man, that is a much simpler way to invest money once and have this economies of scale. And I thought that is the way to go. So I started investing passively in what are called apartment syndications. Syndications is really a fancy word for groups coming together to buy things. And so I started investing in these syndications as a passive investor. Well, now my check, my money was not just going to one house. It was getting split out across hundreds of units. And I thought this was a, I'm, I'm very risk averse. I don't like having high risk things when it comes to my money. There's certainly a time and place for that, but a consistent income source, I wanted to be risk averse and apartments really seemed to fit that for me. And so that's how I switched from single family homes over to apartments. And I kind of went from there, honestly. So when you were buying houses, you were doing that, you were managing that, you were involved with that. And then when you first got into apartment buildings, you started as a passive limited partner in the, in these in these syndications, correct? And then eventually you started to say, and hey, I want to be a sponsor and start doing my own syndications. Yeah. And the way that I kind of made that transition is, I don't know about you, everyone learns a little bit differently. And for me, I had kind of stepping back, I had this TV job still happening and TV allows me a fair amount of freedom. It's kind of a project-based job where, hey, you have this work, it's kind of due by Friday. As long as you get it done, we're happy. So what I did is I started spending all my time in the mornings, at lunch, in the evenings, on all my drives, meeting with other investors who anyone I could find. I mean, anybody I could find, I was just networking, plain and simple. I would have coffee with an investor before I went to work. I'd listen to a podcast on the way to work. At lunch, I'd call the podcast guest on the phone. This was years ago, so it was a little bit more, it wasn't quite as 
I don't know, I'd say mainstream as things are now maybe. And so I would get on these calls with presidents of banks, like people I had no business being on phone calls with, but I think they appreciated the ambition and they would connect me with other people. Oh, you're in LA, you should call this guy. Oh, you should call Rob. Rob, you know, you should call John over there. And I would just start connecting with people. So I started meeting all these people and I realized there are people I can work with to invest my money with. And so I started meeting operators who would take, hey, we can put you in our deal. You can invest some money with us. And then over the years, I realized, well, I can work more with them on an active role. And I made a transition from being a passive investor to actually offering some value and helping out on the team. And so now I was more on the side of, I mean, well, okay, I'm going to step back. Here's really how the transition happened. I had a lot of friends in TV who they would hear what I was doing, right? It would be like a Monday morning. Oh, how was your weekend? Oh, I was good. We went out to the bar. I went to this concert. And I was like, oh, I just got back from Texas where I was looking at some properties. You know, everyone's ears perk up because they're like, you're, that's not what we did. Why do you, what are you talking about? Oh, we were looking at this new, it was like a 250 unit property in San Antonio. And I was walking with the team and I was kind of checking out the other properties around. And it's like this foreign language to people. So everyone all of a sudden says, hey, can you teach me what you're doing? That sounds great. And at this point, it's been years. I mean, it's probably five years in my journey. I've been doing this morning, noon, and night. And I'm like, I can't teach you that over a lunch. <laughs> you know, it's not a, a quick thing. But maybe what I could do is help you by if I'm on the active side, you guys could invest passively with me and my team that now I'm working with. So now I was able to help investors who didn't have the full-time capacity to jump into real estate, didn't have the desire. You know, they wanted to hang out with their family and do their job and just invest their money. So then I made that switch over from passive to active. I was helping investors in the TV world specifically at first. And I was working with partners that I'd been investing with for years at that point. That was the big, the big switch for me. Exactly. So a lot of my investors are high net worth people that they want to focus just on, you know, their job, what what they do for their, if they're a doctor or if they're, uh, you know, upper management, whatever it may be. So that's their bread and butter. They want to spend all their time building their wealth through there. And then, and then they want to uh, diversify their retirement, right? So bringing that diversification and they know real estate is one of those three-legged, three-legged stools, one of those things that you need to invest in. So instead of having all of their money in stocks in their company, they want to be a little more diversified. So they'll put some money into real estate, but again, they don't want to manage it. They don't want to fix the toilets. They don't want to be a landlord. They don't want to do any of that thing, those types of things. So they'll bring money <clears throat> to people like you and me to invest into real estate. So, you know, it's a win-win for everybody, right? Absolutely. I mean, especially, I mean, a lot of these jobs, they don't have a lot of free time in them. Fortunately, the television industry, you can build free time in if you need to. If I needed to take a three hour lunch to take a meeting with an investor, I can just work later that, later that evening. But if you're a doctor or if you work on Wall Street, there's hours, you know, you can't just add hours on the day because your clients aren't gonna come in at nine o'clock at night. Well, for me, I can work nine o'clock at night and get the work done, it's no problem. So a lot of people are kind of stuck in a, a groove where they can't just, take the extra time and 
a lot of people, frankly, don't want to take the time. It's a lot of work. There's a big difference between being a passive investor and being an active investor where you're putting in hours and hours and plane flights and meetings and phone calls beyond just looking at the property online and writing a check. So it's a there's a whole range of amount of work that you can do on these properties. And, um, you know, most people don't want to do all that work like you and I do. I think you you mentioned uh, the other day on one of your short reels how you, can, you what I again again love about real estate is you have control over it you have you have control over the income you have control over the expenses and you talked about that I mean certainly you can just bring in more money through vacancies raising the rents things like that or you can add say coin laundry or more storage or do things like that that just add value but and you can also decrease your expenses because. Income minus expenses, net operating income. That's what I. So you kind of talked about how when you buy a house, it's all. So you're pointing to these houses that were up on the hill. Right? I thought, by the way, I'm jealous that you're up on you're on the water in the middle of an Iowa winter, and I'm watching these videos of you out there on the ocean uh, because I, I'm a boater <laughs> and I love it. So, but uh, I, know, so I feel very I feel very spoiled <laughs> and grateful and blessed to be in Southern yeah. California. It's sunny year round here. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in Southern California in the Marine Corps. And I uh, really enjoy it. So it's a it's a beautiful area. Uh, but you're you're talking about these houses, how the prices for a house that you're going to buy and live in is based on the market. And really, people will pay people will pay more than it's probably worth because they're going to live in it. And, and sure. it's a different mentality. They're going to be in this thing long term. But your, to what you were talking about is you can control the value and how you can inject equity and, and inject growth in an apartment building just by being it well-managed and being able to control income and expenses, correct? Correct. And it's really a difference with apartments versus houses. Because even my single-family houses I had in Tennessee, there, I'm trying to find a picture of them. I had a couple of these yeah. houses up here in Tennessee. I was excited when we could raise the rent. You know, we're raising the rent 50 bucks a month this year. I'm like, cool. Well, I had two of them. So there's $100 total, but that's kind of it. There's not much more I can do. And then that didn't increase the value of the house. So these are even rental properties. I'm controlling the income on them, but the house is only going to be worth what all the other houses on the block are worth. Now, sometimes I have seen that be a, an incredible strategy because if you can buy a house... You could do nothing, and if everything just goes up around it, you magically make more money. So there is a, certainly a value in having houses. I think a lot of people want to downplay, like, oh, don't buy houses, just buy investment real estate. I'm like, look, I'd rather own a house, do nothing, and it goes up in value $500,000. That sounds great. But I don't have control over that. You know, There's also the opportunity for that house to kind of sit flat or go down in value. But with our apartments... Man, that it's called forced appreciation, right? Like that term blew my mind that, and it's not only just forcing appreciation, it's an equity multiple on the cap rates. So I don't know if we want to get into all that, but you can inc like exponentially increase the value of your property for every 10, 20, 30, $100 you increase the rent or decrease the expenses. It has the same impact. The bottom line on any business, right? Income minus expenses is your bottom line. Well, if you can increase income and cut expenses, your bottom line just grows. And in apartments, we take that bottom line and we multiply it by a cap rate. And that gets an increased level of value on these properties. So to me, that was like a game changer that we had some control 
that our effort that went into these properties day in and day out was not just to satisfy the renters and it was not just to keep a nice property, but it had this huge impact on our bottom line at the end of the day. Yeah, because for every dollar that you make in more profit, you can go to the bank and borrow against that. And that's that's tax-free money, right? That so, is a, yeah. I mean, it's what they say, the wealthy <laughs> never never sell things, right? They just take loans against their assets. So. They just refinance it. And, and so if you really want to have, if you really want to get some cash out of a property, you don't have to sell it. You don't have to sell it to realize that money. You can simply just refinance it. Now, again, you got to have 20, 25, maybe 30% equity in there that I, I say is kind of trapped in there that you can never pull it out because a bank's not going to refinance uh, at a high loan to value, but you can pull some of that equity out. And again, that's tax-free. So real estate is a game of debt and taxes and how you manage those. And so that's that's how come it's so profitable. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I wanna, I'm curious on what your answer is. Um, would you rather have 100 single-family houses or 100 a unit apartment building? That's an interesting question. Um... I mean, for me, I would rather have the one 100 unit apartment building just for the ease of doing it. If you have a 100 unit apartment building, you can put full time professional property management in place. You can have a full time maintenance, probably not a full staff, but you could have one or two maintenance people. So now you have 100 identical units. It might be split two bedrooms, one bedrooms, but for the most part, think of them as repeated repeated units. They all look the same. You have your full-time property manager that knows everything about that property. As long as you pick that property in a good market with good economic drivers, high employment area, good income around there where you're going to have good residents and you have a great property manager, all you have to do as your job is to communicate with your property manager. We call that being the asset manager. You're managing the property manager. The property manager is on site every day. Well, if the hundred houses, you're splitting multiple property managers, probably in different markets. Every house is a, its own little unique butterfly where everything, we don't, what kind of stove does that have? It's got the electric range, that has the gas range. Okay, that one is HVAC, but that one's got, oh, it's got the in-wall units. Man, everything is its own small hassle. Now, I wouldn't turn down 100 houses. I mean, shoot, the income from 100 houses could be great. Yeah. And the lending is really favorable if you're buying residential, which is houses versus apartments. It can be a little bit better, but- for ease of use and for one giant check that comes in with the least amount of work, I feel like the hundred unit apartment complex is a no brainer in that situation. You made a good point that an appraisal on a single family house is going to take into account, you know, obviously comparables in the neighborhood and recent sales. Uh, but you're kind of, there's very little you can do with that. So for a single family house, there's not as many expenses uh, well, there could be, it just depends, but the, the price on that appraisal, there's not much you can do on the expense side because the insurance, the property taxes, all those things are pretty much what they are. And really all you can do is raise it. So there's a lot of single family houses that I own and rent 
where the rents are way higher. So people are always saying, well, you can never get to that 1% rule. It says, well, you can, uh, because a lot of times those houses may not appraise. Like if I have a house and I have student housing, for instance, and mm-hmm. and that that thing will cash flow like crazy because students, student housing, I charge way more than you would in a workforce, traditional family environment. So when I go to the appraisal, they'll look at cash flow and they're like, but they're also looking at comp comp sales, things like that. So I'm like, you know, it's cash flowing like crazy, but it won't necessarily increase the value for the appraisal because it doesn't count as much. Whereas an apartment building, they're just strictly looking at cash flow minus the expenses and then what's the cap rate. And then of course that's what the bank is going to lend on. So it's very easy to, like you said, force that, that equity into it uh, with a, with an apartment complex. So you also mentioned, which I thought was very interesting. So you're in Southern California, but yet you are a owner of two properties right here in Iowa in the city of Des Moines. Uh, yeah. you know, to, uh, over a hundred units in both of them. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's crazy. You're, you're in California, but you've got properties here in Des Moines, Dallas, Phoenix, Texas, uh, Tucson, Arizona, you know? So again, uh, there's this concept out there that the real estate guys, uh, podcast talks about where live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. And, and I love that because you can do that uh to scale when you're when you're at a big scale you can live really wherever you want in the united states or even the world and invest anywhere in the united states or even the world where the numbers truly make sense if it's if you can scale it and do it you know at a large scale where you can have property managers and things like that in those areas that are taking care of those units yeah and you have to have it's all about having a team or boots on the ground in that market um, I think there's four markets you invest in. And this I learned from Rod Cleef, a good buddy of mine. You invest where you are now. Well, I live in Southern California. An investment property here is more speculative. You're hoping it jumps up in value, but you're not going to be able to rent it for cash flow positive. You invest where you grew up. I grew up in Southern California again, so I'm not going to be able to invest there. You grew up some, you invest somewhere where you have boots on the ground where you know people that are there or you invest somewhere where you want to retire or you want to spend a lot of time like for instance i love being in hawaii we're there a few times a year i looked into investing in hawaii the numbers there don't make a lot of sense but i could be there often to justify well i can get my hands on the property so what it leaves me is this third one which is getting boots on the ground and i'll tell you a couple stories man i was So I spend a lot of my time networking. I will physically go to the market, meet with people. Well, I had this kind of unique situation where I was on tour with my band. So I would fly into a market. Our band would go to the hotel and crash. And I would go and have meetings with brokers, with other investors, property managers, anyone I could find in that market. So I would get to know people in the city that lived there. Well, now I fly back to California. I can pick up the phone and call my buddy Dan down in Dallas. So a couple of different times, specifically, I'm like, hey, I'd call my buddy in Dallas. I'm looking at this like five unit, the six unit on uh, the street over here. Can you go check it out for me? I feel like the pictures, I can't tell if it's sagging or if it's straight and it's just the camera was moved. Can you check it out for me? Within like 15 minutes, I have real photos back from my buddy who drove over there, looked at it himself, and he said, yeah, the foundation is in fact sagging. Don't go to that property. Okay, cool. Or... 
I built up enough in the network in Cincinnati, Ohio. I was trying to buy there for a while. I looked at a property. I'm going to put this one under contract. It was an eight unit property um, overlooking downtown. But I'm like, man, I could either get on a plane and fly out there or I call up my lender and I go, hey, who's a local lender to the area? I've been building a relationship with him for about eight months at that point. I go, this is the property I'm looking at, Kurt. Can you tell me what you think about it? He pulls it up on his computer. He goes, oh yeah, hold on one second. Puts me on hold. Comes back on. Hey, I just called my buddy. He lives on that street. He's going to go check it out for you. Okay. So 20 minutes later, his friend who lives on the street that I was literally looking at buying this property, went over and looked at the property, gave me some intel on it. So that kind of a relationship, you can't get on the internet. You can't get from Zillow or Redfin. You have to build relationships. But what it does is it makes me multiply to every area in the country that I can. So I don't have to be stuck in these first two where I'm living now or where I grew up. I can expand my markets and have real intel from that area where I know that if I invest in a property there, first, just my filters, right? I can get someone that's there to look at it in person and put their hands on it. So that way when I fly out and check out the property, I already had a good sense of it. And then furthermore, if I'm here, my properties are, as you said, they're all across the country, invested in Iowa, Texas, Arizona, Florida, and Tennessee, and Kentucky. I have teams that are there that I've built relationships with over the years that they can have their hands on the property on a daily basis if need be. And that's what a lot of my investors appreciate and count on is like, you know, not only can the investors, they're not willing to maybe do all the time in learning real estate at a deep level, but the relationships that people like you and I build by spending time at conferences, by going out to the markets, by studying those markets and getting on phone calls with brokers every day, those relationships are pure gold and you can't replace them with the internet and you can't replace them with, you know, a report that you downloaded. So it's, it's worth the time, but it's also a, it takes time to build those relationships. Um, that being said, I think a lot of people get scared that it's, it's over, you know, across the country, it's a few hours away. I'm like, well, a lot of times your direct neighborhood might not be the best place. You might have to drive two or three hours outside your area. Well, for me, I can fly from LA two or three hours and get most places across the country. So you're buying a flight instead of gas, you know, real estate's not a cheap game. So sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and get on a plane. But that's my, that's my spiel. That's my take about investing across the country. It's doable. Um, I think building relationships is the the first key part of that. Exactly. I mean, real estate's a, it, it's, it's all real estate's local and you, you got to know that market to really, again, when do you focus and when do you diversify? You really make your money when you focus on that particular niche. And, and if you can find somebody that you trust in those markets and it's well-managed, uh, you know, good property management, you're maybe doing the asset management, but then the, the actual property management is being taken care of, uh, then, then, you know, you, it's what I call an unfair advantage is when you really focus down on this market. Um, you know, Robert Kiyosaki did a whole book on that, on just what's your unfair advantage and mm. uh, focusing, whether it be focusing on your local market, like I'm pretty much in Eastern Iowa, 
and mm -hmm. Des Moines. And because that's what I know, I know the cities, I know the state laws, I know everything. I know people in those markets. I know what the mark, you know, what that market is all about. So that's my unfair advantage. And I will find deals way before they ever get listed with a realtor and things of that sort. Whereas if I was to go to Texas, I would have to partner with someone in that Texas Dallas area or wherever it may be, uh, because I don't have the knowledge and that local knowledge, and and therefore I would have to partner with somebody or find find someone that I trust in that local market. And you're the person that everyone wants to know in my situation. So everyone in Hollywood, everyone in LA, everyone in San Diego, everyone in San Francisco, these really expensive markets, we need Jeff who's in Iowa. So when Jeff says, look, I got a deal that you would not believe because in California, you don't see these types of deals. But when Jeff brings the deal to the table and you go, look, I'm here, you're, you can actually go and walk the property. You can put your hands on it. You can oversee the property manager on a daily basis if you needed to. Like let's say at the beginning of a property, when you first buy it, that's when the most work goes into it. That's when you really need to be on site a lot. You need to be really making sure your business plan gets kicked off in the right way. I need Jeff in Iowa. And here's the other thing. If you're looking on the internet and I'm clicking around on Iowa, looking, getting to know it as much as I can, there's a very different sense that you will have being a resident there, growing up there, knowing the streets. Everyone knows that feeling where you're walking around and you go, ah, this isn't really a good street. Why? I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. It feels weird. You can't get that on the internet, you know, but I can call Jeff and go, Hey Jeff, what's this part of town like? And you go, don't, don't even think about it. I know that area. I grew up driving. We drive around that area, right? I can't see that from the report on the internet. But you can tell me that because you're there and being an expert in that that area, man, it's such an incredible relationship to have with someone like you so that you can bring investors in and they feel secure knowing that, look, guys, I got my hands on this area. I know this area well. So my goal is to have a Jeff, have a person in every market and expand a team around them and that I'm working with on a you know weekly basis to get to know everyone like that. So that's uh, that's the key to have right there is that person. Yeah, and I, I tell a lot of people when they're just starting out to go drive neighborhoods and to go look around and not only during the day, but also in the middle of the night, go out there at 10 o'clock at night and see what it's like, because I can guarantee you it's going to be different after the sun goes down. Uh, there's, you know, a whole different, uh, yeah. How many, and it's not hard to do that. I think people, yeah. people feel like that's overwhelming. Like, go drive a market. Like, well, I don't know what I'm looking for. Don't worry about that. Get on a plane, drive to Fort Worth, Get on a plane, fly into Dallas, drive over to Fort Worth. Just find a map of the city. I have I have a ton of maps here that are all marked up. You just start driving, drive left to right, up and across the city. Now drive up and down across the city. Anywhere you're driving and you feel like, oh, this is cool, circle it on your map and just keep driving. If you do that two or three times, you will have a much better sense of that city so that when it property comes up, you can look at your map and it kind of, oh, that's right. This is an area. I remember I circled that. I wrote, you know, new target going in or, oh, there's a lot of pawn shops around here or, oh, this gas station was really run down and there's a lot of homeless people around there. Like all these little things, it's not rocket science. Okay. Real estate is not, it's not as complex and, and overwhelming as it seems to be sometimes. Sometimes it's as simple as going, this feels like a nice area. And if a property comes up here, I want it. And it makes you just, it, it's all about filtering down what information you can, you can handle in your brain. So if 
you have a hundred properties and you know that 50 of them are in areas that you have giant X's across with a red marker saying don't and nothing in this area. Okay, cool. Then you don't buy there. And if anything falls in the circled area, start looking at it more deeply. Yeah. And then once you gain that knowledge, then you can then once you buy one property in there, then you can buy more properties because now you're educated on that market. So I, I heard somebody say the other day that would I buy a hundred units in some small town? And the answer was, is if it was just that a hundred units, I probably wouldn't. But if I have the ability to go from a hundred to a thousand mm -hmm. in that market, now I'm really building on, then I would buy that hundred because now I can buy, build on that and really try to get that whole, that little mar micro market up to a thousand units or 500 or whatever it may be. So, you know, the, because that knowledge is, is, your unfair advantage in that marketplace. So, you Absolutely. know, that, yeah, that's definitely, definitely great information. So we're kind of running up against the clock here. We got about five minutes left. Um, so what do you think? I, I personally think you, we talk about what it takes and when you first get started, how much time's involved. And what I like about real estate is it's the same amount of time, whether it's a single family house versus a 200 unit apartment building. And, but the, but the bigger the property, it's much more profitable, which is why we try to do it to scale and, and maybe go for those people that want to go full-time. Otherwise they could potentially just be an investor with somebody like yourself or me that does this basically for a living. Um, but you know, you got to get started. Um, if it might be that one house. So that whole transition from a lot of people being DIYers, uh, you know, Brandon Turner came out with that great visionary pyramid where they talk about DIYers, being a manager, COO, and then just being the visionary. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's pains and steps you have to go through all the way. So I kind of like how you started looking at single family houses and then you started investing as a limited partner and now you're doing your own thing. And now you're making more money in your real estate than you are in your traditional, uh, you know, nine to five job. Yeah, and it took it took years to get there, and I I appreciate you bringing that up. I mean, it's one thing I'm really proud of. And I I was at a networking event the other day, two weekends ago in Hollywood, and you know everyone's talking about the recent job they're working on, or, or if there's a lot of work right now, or there's not a lot of work right now. And I had this proud moment where I thought, look, if there's no television work to go on, I literally made more money last year from my real estate investments than I did from my Hollywood salary. Huh. I don't feel like, you know, I guess what it gives me is it gives me that sense of security knowing yeah. that if I don't work, uh, if I options. don't edit a TV show, yeah. I'm fine. You know, my family is fine. We have enough income coming in and it, it, it just makes you realize that all that work is worth it, but you do have to start somewhere. And you mentioned, you know, oh, a video of Brandon Turner. I think a lot of people get overwhelmed with starting. And I tell people there's this super easy hack to get into real estate. And it just starts like this. Everyone's on social media these days. You jump on Facebook, you jump on Instagram, you jump on LinkedIn or TikTok, find a bunch of influencers that are involved in the real estate space. I put out Facebook videos every day, Monday through Friday, they're usually two to four minutes. And I talk about something about real estate, investing in apartments. Pick a couple people and just start following them and then do your normal life. You do your Facebook scrolling, you go to your job. But now you realize that as you're scrolling through social media, the videos that pop up are going to start influencing you and start educating you two minutes at a time. 
Well, you know how much we get on social media these days and how much people waste time doing that. Well, if your wasted time is now educational time and it's fun for you because it's part of your normal scrolling through the, you know, social media, you, you, you might not realize it, but you just start educating yourself, not on accident, but it just, it's the byproduct of what you do anyway. So, and that goes for anything. You want to learn stock option trading, just start following a bunch of people. And all of a sudden people start spitting stuff at you. Well, if you follow Brandon Turner, if you follow you on social media, if you follow me, you're going to start getting all that intel and all that information. And then before you know it, you're like, wait, I do know those words. I know what syndication word means. I know what cap rates are. I know what a reversion cap rate is. I know what market data to look for because it's just been slowly, slowly dripped into your brain two minutes at a time here and there. And that's a lot more digestible than going, uh, I got to read this thick book that's 400 pages. I got to fly out to a market. I have to uh, sit down with a lender and talk about all the lending terms they look for. Like that can be really overwhelming. And it doesn't have to be overwhelming to start. But at some point, I tell people all the time, investors, like at some point you do have to write a check and get involved. And the good thing is that real estate typically doesn't disappear. I don't see many buildings that vanish off the face of the earth. So if your money is invested in a property, a real building, I see my stocks disappear all the time. The money just disappears and it comes back up and then it's gone again. And that's back. I'm like, the company didn't go anywhere, but my stocks certainly, did. my value did. Um, so if you have your money in a real asset, whether it be an apartment with you, with me, whether you buy a house on your own, whether you invest with a friend and you buy an Airbnb, getting started in investment real estate is a game changer and it'll have a long-term impact on you and your family. Yeah, just make a decision to become a student. Student of real estate, student of money, like as Fran says, and uh, the, you know that's how you start. And pretty soon, those uh, YouTube algorithms and those Google algorithms will start to see that hey, this is what you're what you're looking at, and they're going to start feeding you that content. So, all right, we're under two minutes. So, why don't you go ahead and tell uh, our listeners how to get a hold of you and to find out some more information? I'm pretty easy to find. Um, my website is Amity Cashflow, A-M is in Mary, I-T-Y, AmityCashflow.com. Um, I'm on all the social channels at Amity Chris Collins. Um, you can contact me through my website, jump in and follow me on Facebook. It's at Amity Chris Collins. And I put out videos every day and I spend most of my mornings talking with investors. And I spend most of my afternoons doing work on the business and building our portfolio. All right. Thank you, Chris. I definitely follow you. I love your videos. Keep putting out more videos where you're on the ocean so that I can uh, take a look at you on the water when I can't be. So uh, we've got a few more months before the Mississippi unfreezes and I can get my boat on the water. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, thanks for joining us on the Student Money Podcast. And uh, any last words? You got about 30 seconds. Man, no, I just appreciate your time. I mean, I've been really, my word for this last year has been gratitude and grateful. So uh, I'm building my business like crazy this year. So thank you for having me on your podcast. I appreciate talking to your listeners and thanks, Jeff. All right, thank you. I'll let you go. All right, guys, that's our interview with Chris Collins. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. That's all I have for this week. So please make sure you subscribe and hit the like button it really helps get our podcast and our videos out in front of more people like you. And remember, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. See you next week.